Hello, everyone. Hi, guys. Welcome back to the Secret Syllabus podcast. The Secret Syllabus is a production of the Female Quotient and iHeartRadio. College is supposed to be one of the most transformative years of your life, so Hannah and I are here to help. This podcast by college students for college students is to discuss everything from body positivity to being active in the causes that matter to us. This is the class you do not want to miss, we promise. I'm Katie Tracy. And I'm Hannah Ashton. As we all know, there is a lot happening. From climate change, the Black Lives Matter movement, domestic violence issues, and more. And we're all told to be allies, but you may be thinking, what does being an ally actually mean? I think this definition changes a lot for me, but right now it means listening to other people's stories, especially those that you may not identify with, so that you can better understand their issues and then take it upon yourself to uplift them however you can. How do you make sure that allyship isn't performative is my question. Yes, and I know we talk about this in the interview, but I think there's an element to it where you're doing more work in real life than just online. You know, you can post um, and share about organizations, but if you are sharing about them on social media, maybe also try to donate money or volunteer hours. Yeah, I think performative allyship can be tricky, especially in the age of social media and personal branding as well. But at the end of the day, you know whether you're being an honest ally. And I just recommend to do your research, educate yourself. I think once you learn about other people's problems, you really do find that you sympathize because I'm sure you are a good person, whoever's listening. Also, just be aware of your audience, but don't do everything just to please them. It should really come from you. Mm -hmm. And as social media creators ourselves, I know that we've been working through this and it can be tough mentally if you're consuming just all this, um, you know, sad and negative media. But something I have done is just taken time to reflect offline as well and maybe journal, take note of my emotions and why I'm feeling these emotions in private spaces. And also think about what is the personal history that I've lived through that has either brought me this privilege or lack of privilege and, you know, thinking about my family background um, and how you can make a difference. On the note of privilege, I'd love to ask, how can we use our own privileges to help others? I think for me as first a content creator and also an international student, it means number one, using my platform to teach people what I'm learning. And if I don't if I don't feel like I'm educated in that topic, then it means passing the mic to someone who does know how to talk about that topic. And as a student, you know, I'm constantly learning things in class and learning from conversations with friends. So just sharing everything that I learn from those conversations with my online community as well. Mm-hmm. I find college to be a great place to have conversations, especially in class. It may be a little bit of a safer space. You're learning, you're engaging with one another, and then also taking those conversations offline and out of class um, to have the tough conversations with your friends. Katie, I'd love to know how you find your voice online to share about these topics. Yeah, this is tough, especially during the pandemic. I've had a lot of time to think about this. And first thing for me is definitely be patient with yourself. I think it can be intimidating when you have a platform and people demand answers from you. They expect you to comment on everything. But for me, it's meant realizing that this education process is an ongoing one. I can't, you know, understand the world in 24 hours. And I don't also want to falsely share anything when I don't feel like I am educated on that topic um, is I'm sure that there is some unique topic or cause or issue that 
speaks to you more than another. And another way to find your voice is to filter things out. So, you know, when you absorb all this news and information coming at you, what do you find resonates with you the most? What pain do you feel? And what is so upsetting that it makes you want to change it? And just following that has helped me slowly come to develop my voice. Mm, that's so good. And I know it It really can be tough. Um, and I kind of want to speak into maybe what worries I've had and what you've had about not being a good ally and just be honest on here about that. Because I grew up in a predominantly white area. I looked up the stats and my hometown is 92% white. Half of my family is Puerto Rican. So I feel like I have more personal experiences when it comes to Latinx injustices. But what has worried me for a while is that I didn't have access to a lot of Black culture growing up. Thankfully, I did get on YouTube young, and that is kind of what introduced me um, to more cultures. And I was able to learn through watching other creators that didn't look like me. Um, however, what I'm doing now is making sure that I'm educating myself through diversifying the feed and, of course, asking friends to better understand and appreciate Black culture. And I love how that is a theme running through media now as well. That is amazing. And I totally feel the same way. I grew up in the Philippines my whole life. So I didn't grow up to a lot of black culture either or white culture or LGBTQ plus for that matter. It was very homogenous Asian for me. But just like you growing up on YouTube and the online space has exposed me to different cultures. And now it's something I'm a huge fan of learning about other people, realizing that the internet really makes it easier to bridge connections across the world. It's it's really never been easier and it's fascinating. Yeah, on a final question, how do you be an ally with groups you don't have the opportunity to interact with in person? That is such a good question. And I think today our guest, Connie Lim, answers so many of our questions just like that about allyship, activism, and using our voices to get involved in powerful movements. Connie Lim, also known as Milk, is a Los Angeles-based singer-songwriter, and she also shares her powerful story with us. So let's get right into the interview. Hi, Connie. Welcome to the show. Your name on stage is Milk. How did that name come about and what does it mean to you? Hi, I'm so excited to be on this podcast with you both. So yeah, my name is Connie Kimberly Lim and my artist's name is Milk. So my last name is spelled L-I-M and my first two initials are C-K for Connie Kimberly and I decided to scramble up my name. So I spelled my last name Lim backwards and then so it turns out to be M-I-L and then I tacked on C-K, Connie Kimberly it was my moment of wanting to free myself of the expectations that the traditional Chinese culture has and that I've bought into. I just had a really ravenous hunger for acceptance. So Milk is kind of my third culture name. <laughs> At age seven, you wrote your first composition, Healthy People. At such a young age, did you remember your intention in writing it? It's so interesting because when I wrote that first composition, what happened was I was watching Captain Planet at like 6 a.m. in the morning. It was my favorite cartoon. And there was a commercial about children in African countries who were not able to find food every day. And I just found that mind-blowing because I had snacks. I got lunch every day. I never had to worry about being hungry. You know, seeing kids my age on the TV screen really moved me. And so 
I think it was like a couple weeks later, I started learning how to write music, how to score and write the notes and learn how to write in the rhythm and communicate that on writing. My piano teacher and I, she helped me write down my ideas because I'd like to plunk out melodies and stuff. And and she's like, well, what do you want to name your very first composition ever? And I thought, I want to name it the most wonderful, powerful, beautiful thing I can think of. And I was like, oh, what if all of the world was just healthy, like no one was hungry. And so I said, healthy people. And that's how I named my first song. And I remember being in like fourth or fifth grade and being embarrassed by it because I think I started being called naive or idealistic. It just wasn't as cool and quote unquote smart to be hopeful about the goodness of humanity. Then fast forward many, many years when I was 30 years old and Quiet went viral. It was really interesting because Quiet was one of my songs where I wasn't thinking about, oh, I want to write a cool, vibey song. I want to make people bop their heads or whatever. I was more, I want to write this thing so I can be well again. Like I need to free myself of the narrative that I'm bad. And so I needed to heal. I wanted to be healthy. And when I wrote that song and then it went viral, my little brother, who's seven years younger than me, he was like, you know, what's crazy is that this is completely you. You've been this person since you were so young. And he said that because I've had moments where I've tried to be other people, to try to impress or try to fit the industry. It's like this habit that I've built because I've been trying to fit into the Chinese culture, trying to fit into American culture. It was really nice to be like, oh, this is like healthy people, but me as a 30-year-old woman rather being a seven-year-old girl. (laughs) It's so interesting to hear how other women who are like yourself making change today and what their thoughts were younger. So I loved hearing about that. You've mentioned that you've struggled with mental illness in high school. And so I'm wondering if that or any part of your heritage has shaped you as an activist and or as a musician. I am an anxious human being. I also have depression and it's chronic and sometimes it hits me out of nowhere and sometimes it happens over the course of a few weeks and all of a sudden I'm in the trough of depression. I'm like, oh, And my whole life I've had to observe myself more. And I didn't know that I had it until maybe my mid-20s. I also think that part of the mental health journey has also been a nurtured aspect because, like I said, this idea of not really feeling like I belonged in any particular place really exacerbated that feeling of depression. Maybe I already had it and then to feel like I didn't know how to express to my family or to my peers what I truly felt was really suffocating. And I felt like I was very alone. However, I did find a couple of outlets. One was boys, (laughs) Um, which turns out to be something that ended up being like quite unhealthy. I, I felt like the only time I was calm and present and really in my body was when I was making art whether it was illustrating, whether it was sewing something, whether it was playing piano or singing or writing poetry. Music became an amazing way to say all the things I needed to say. With songwriting, I don't have to know exactly what I need to say right away. I don't have to have wit on the spot, like, you know, say in a rap battle or improv comedy or in a real conversation with my parents. (laughs) Um, I can go to my room 
I can close out the world. I can process how I'm feeling and I can give myself time and I can craft each lyric to try to explain what that crazy sensation is that's running through my body when I feel pain, when I feel rage, when I feel joy, when I feel a crush, like all the things I just became obsessed with the puzzle of how to combine melody and words and patience. How do I use those three ingredients to craft like the perfect representation of this feeling? I believe that when we do speak our truths, we become more free and music has helped me do that. And I want my music to do the same for others. When I was younger, I was hungry to be accepted. So I focused on things like fame because I wanted to prove to others that I was worthy. But now that I am getting older and there's this sense of groundedness of actually we just matter, period. So if I'm going to do this art, if I'm going to serve, I want it to be in service of bettering society. I don't need to make this about me. There's a lot of narcissism in media, but there is a culture of people who are using art to serve, and I want to be part of that. I feel the same way. I also went on a journey where, because I struggled with family expectations and living up to that, I turned to many different things, creativity being one of them, and it's been such a healing process. What did it mean to you when you performed at the Women's March in Washington, D.C., and just know that so many people resonated with your song's message? Yeah. Um, so there's a couple parts to that question. What did it mean to me to perform at the Women's March? And then what did it mean to me to experience the reaction to it afterwards? I would say that the experience of performing at the Women's March was so awesome because it was all about enjoying the process, like following my big yes when I was planning my trip to go to the Women's March, I had just gotten dropped by my management and I had zero idea where my career was going. I didn't know how I was going to sustainably make money. At that time, I was living with my boyfriend. I was like, am I just going to be this girlfriend who doesn't know how to pay rent or like what's happening? But then Trump got elected and this fire came within me and there was this instinct within me where I was like, I have to share this song that I wrote. I was like, for some reason, I just feel like it's really related to this moment because like everything he's making me feel right now is what I felt to make that song quiet. When I approach my art from a joyful place of how can I serve the people who are going to experience this, it feels like it's coming from this really sacred place. So it's actually really energizing. So the more I thought about it, the more energy I got. I didn't like sleep sometimes. I was like working on the choir arrangement. I was recruiting strangers to sing. And I was just like, I just felt like I had such purpose. For some reason, I needed to go to DC to sing this song. And I needed to sing this with a group of women. Just every decision leading up to it was just joyful. It wasn't, oh, I should do this. I should do this. Oh, it would be really cool because other people will think this if that. Like, No, it was just like, what if I did this? How awesome would that feel to me and to the people I want to serve? Man, that was a good example to set for myself for the future was this is how you want to make art. The experience of the reaction from people at the Women's March 
and just people all over the world was a very, very surreal and enlightening experience. And it made me actually more confident in the universe. Every moment that I was either abused or put down or the feeling of feeling silenced or the tension with my family, all those things made me who I needed to be to write that song quiet. And I think for me, it's such a lesson. Like, I'm sure when you look at people you admire and they do things that like liberate them and maybe it it was scary for them, we're all like, yes, you know, and I got to experience the world reminding me, if you follow yourself, you will feel that big yes. That's amazing. And it's so cool that you wrote Quiet in a time when you didn't feel heard in politics. And since as long as anyone can remember, music has been used as a form of protest to amplify social messages to large audiences. And so I'd love to know in what ways do you use music as a vehicle for social change? When I think about social change, it's really interesting from whatever angle I think about social change, I always come back to the core idea that inner peace leads to outer peace. And when we think about some people's behaviors that make us mad and, oh, I wish they would do different. When, it, when we do all those thoughts, when it comes down to it, it's all about what we change within ourselves, how we commune with ourselves, how we talk to ourselves. That has been a really important element in my writing for any type of social change movement. I like to experience the emotion and express that emotion honestly. And I focus in on my experience and then from my vantage point. So I I just wrote a song called Somebody's Beloved that I'm releasing soon. And I'm sure I'm going to get supportive feedback and I'm going to get criticism for it because I am responding as a non-Black woman who is a woman of color watching Black lives be lost to systemic racism. And the reaction that I had came out of me in a song, like that feeling that I had just had to come out. And I actually wrote these verses and I got scared. I was like, I don't know how to say, I don't know how to share and literally center my voice as a singer, as a non-black person. And so I had two options. I could keep that file and put it away in my computer and play it safe. Or I could move forward with this process because I have questions and curiosities. I have some friends that I could share this with and maybe finish the song with. I might not show up in ways that maybe some people feel like is quote unquote right. And I may cause harm at times if I'm, if because of my blind spots as an Asian woman, but I want to try and I would welcome correction because I want to learn. It all comes from a central desire to communicate what I'm authentically feeling. And I don't ever write from a perspective of someone else's experience. I don't try to put, I don't try to assume I know what others are going through. Wow. I think that's really courageous of you. And I can imagine how scary it can feel, but at the end, you know, your heart seems to be in the right place. You want to use your platform to amplify the voices that need to be heard right now. One thing I was wondering is, What advice do you have for others who want to use music or art to drive social change but don't know where to start? I think that we have to own our own fears. We have to own our own biases, our insecurities. So it's not just like, you know, when we talk about racism, sometimes we talk about systems, 
But systems are made of people and people are made of stories and stories impact how we feel secure and secure about ourselves. And I think we got to get real with who we are and where, where we're at with what we feel we're worth. For example, I think the first step actually is to start trying to deconstruct the societal hierarchy of what success or what more value means. If we have any form of ladder within our, ourselves, like, mm, okay, once I get this many followers, I may be better than I was here. Once I get like, that's all capitalism kind of working itself within us. And I'm saying not, I'm not bashing capitalism, but I'm bashing the competitive imbalanced capitalism that sometimes is embedded within us. There's always this like balancing of wisdom and knowledge. And if we can accept that and surrender and stop trying to like be better than other people, that's the first step because then we can see more clearly, why am I doing art? Why am I releasing songs? Why am I talking on a podcast? Like, what is my mission? And that can become more clear when we deconstruct the ladders in our heart. That is great advice for anyone, not just creatives, but as someone who isn't in the music industry, I would love to ask you for our last question is what other advice do you have for those who are wanting to get involved in activism and feel as though they don't know how or are scared to put themselves out there or even confused if you know, posting on social media is a productive form of activism. Can you speak into that a little bit? Some really great questions in there. I think that bravery is a muscle. For for me personally, I needed to flex my bravery of speaking up and like setting boundaries and saying no, because I didn't know how to say no to other people until I was in my mid-20s. My experience with abuse and sexual abuse just really deconstructed all boundaries. So I had to rebuild that. So I had to practice day-to-day in my real life. So I talked about very small things because even those things scared me to confront. So I was flexing my muscle and practicing being more honest with the people around me, more brave with what I was saying and more willing to create tension. And hey, I'm working on this too, but if we can get more comfortable with sitting in discomfort, then we'll be more willing to speak up with our friends with our family and with ourselves. (laughs) Um, And I think that's a first step. And then experimenting and kind of like playfully just try releasing, like posting one thing. If you're at the phase where like posting something is scary, then I would encourage you to face that and just experiment. Like follow that fear and kind of understand why are you scared? Just start thinking about that and and try, try to post. And look, there's some people who believe that, okay, there's social media activism, posting doesn't really help. I think that if you have a platform and there are people listening to you, or even if you have 10 friends who listen to you and you say, hey, this isn't right, I'm speaking up for this, it just makes your friends go, oh, okay, right, right, that, that isn't right. It's just a way to support messages. So if you're going to do a social media post, then maybe also do an action with it. So you're not just doing performative activism. So when I post about a cause, I make a vow to either donate. And if you're not in a financial place to donate, you can look at the organizations and maybe follow those organizations and then ask your friends to follow the organization. So we can start there. Let's face our fears, follow our fears, and and let's get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And if you're going to post something, just just quietly do something that's action-oriented behind the scenes related to that post. 
I think we just start with also like holding ourselves accountable for more meaningful relationships. That can really help as well. Even with non-activists, just your friends, like let's build some authentic relationships where we're speaking from our hearts and exposing our vulnerabilities and sharing like honestly with each other and holding our friends accountable. I think if we can create some authentic relationships, that is a form of activism as well. Thank you so much, Connie, for joining us on The Secret Syllabus and sharing your powerful story. To everyone listening, we highly recommend following Connie on Instagram at Milk Music so you don't miss any of her amazing content around music, activism, and social change. We will link all the places you can find her in the show notes below. Thanks again. Thank you. That really spoke to my soul. I think my biggest takeaway here is we should all appreciate the unique space we occupy in this world because We come from such unique heritages, we're born into a distinct generation and have embedded cultural values within our upbringing. We also just have a lot of unique interests, experiences, personality, and way of expressing how we view the world, and it's really what makes each and every one of us so distinct. So it is time to unpack all of that, appreciate it, because when you do, it is powerful. I love that. And taking it to the next step, I feel like once you have unpacked that and you really understand your heritage and you have an appreciation for your culture, then I learned from Connie that you can share that through any platform that brings you joy. So you can share your opinions, your voice, your culture in any medium, whether that's writing articles, creating content, or like Connie, making music. Yes, queen. Well, Thank you all for checking us out today. And thank you again to Connie Lim for taking the time to join us on the secret syllabus. We are your hosts, Katie. You can find me at AlohaKDX on Instagram. And I'm Hannah. You can find me at Miss Hannah Ashton on Instagram. The secret syllabus was created by The Female Quotient in partnership with iHeartMedia and co-produced by The Female Quotient and Wonder Media Network. The FQ is committed to advancing equality and elevating women from college campuses to the corner office. You can find out more at www.thefemalequotient.com. See you after class.